Section 15 of Good Morning, Boys and Girls, by Rev. Thomas J. Hostey. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Maria Therese. The Price of Sin Good afternoon, boys and girls. You have every reason to ask me, what's good about it? Well, I must admit that there are a great many things about it which are bad. Everything around the sanctuary looks so cold and bare. All the statues are covered. There are no flowers on the altar. There are no cloths on the altar table. All that you can see are six candles, which are not even lit, and the crucifix hanging above the altar. But that is not the most terrible thing about the sanctuary today. There is something about the altar itself which really should make us feel sad. Who can tell me what it is that I am referring to? Yes, it is the empty tabernacle. The doors of our Lord's little home on earth are wide open, and He is not in His house. That is why you do not even see the sanctuary lamp lit today. What a difference there is between the way the church looks today and the way it looked yesterday. Do you remember how we had a big parade, and how the priest carried our Lord around the church and put Him on a special altar where there were all kinds of beautiful flowers, and where there were so many candles burning? We were very happy yesterday, and we should have been, because it was the birthday of our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament. But today everything is changed and I'm sure every one of you knows why. Today we recall our Lord's death on the cross. The church is a strange name for today. She calls it Good Friday. Wouldn't you think that it would be called Bad Friday? I'd say yes, if it weren't for the wonderful thing which our Lord's death did for all of us. By all of us, I mean every man, woman, or child who was ever born or who will ever be born in the history of the world. Do you know what that glorious thing was which he accomplished by his death on the cross? He made it possible for Adam and Eve and all their descendants to get to heaven. The doors to heaven were shut by Adam's sin, but Christ, by his death, gave each one of us a key by means of which we can open those doors. As our Lord hangs on the cross before us today, there are many things I could talk to you about. I could tell you about the terrible sufferings he endured before he died, but I am not going to because, no matter how hard I or anyone else tried, I couldn't really picture the agony he went through. Only God himself would be able to give a complete description of that suffering. But there is another reason why I am not going to speak to you about the Passion of Christ. By the way, Passion is the word which is used to sum up all the sufferings of our Lord before he died. That reason is this. I honestly believe that it is not knowledge which we lack with regard to Christ's sufferings, but it is conviction. I realize that conviction is a big word, but since it is also a very important word, let me explain it. When you believe something is true, and you act according to the way you believe, then you are said to be following your conviction. For example, if you do not curse because you know that God has forbidden it, and therefore it is wrong, you have a conviction about cursing. On the other hand, if you know that cursing is wrong because God has forbidden it, but you curse anyway because you're angry or because you want to show the other boys in your gang how tough you are, you have knowledge, but you don't have conviction. The trouble with most of us, both grown-ups and children, is not that we don't have enough knowledge of the sufferings of our blessed Lord, but that we don't have conviction. You and I know that Christ died on the cross to make up to God for our sins. Does the thought of Him hanging on the cross keep Him from lying, or stealing, or swearing, or laziness, or disobedience, or impurity in word or action? If it doesn't, make no mistake about it, 
you do not have conviction with regard to Christ's sufferings. I wish I had the power to stamp one truth upon your soul, and that one truth is this. Our Lord did not die on the cross simply to make us feel sorry for Him. He died on the cross, after terrible agony, to teach us what God thinks of sin, and to make up to God for our sins. What a horrible thing sin must be in God's eyes, since our dear Lord went through such awful sufferings to make up for sin. That is why I am going to ask each one of you to pray to our Lord today, not that you may know more about his sufferings, but that you may profit by what you do know. Pray, too, not that you may suffer more for your sins, but that you may understand more clearly why you do suffer. Ask our blessed Lord to help you to learn from his sufferings on the cross what he and his heavenly Father think of sin. Ask him to help you to convince yourself, with a conviction which neither time nor eternity will be able to wipe away, that sin is a terrible thing, and that the greatest evil which can possibly befall you is to commit a serious sin. No matter what honors the world may heap upon you, no matter how much money you may make, no matter how many schools or churches you may give to the Catholic Church, no matter if the Pope himself preaches your funeral sermon, if you died with one unforgiven serious sin upon your soul, your life has been a terrible failure. Only if you succeed in getting and hanging on to that conviction will Good Friday become for you what Christ intended it to be for you, not a day to make you feel sad, but a good, strong lesson to help you stay away from sin. In a few minutes, just like Mary Magdalene, you will be coming forward to kneel at the altar, so that you may kiss the cross. As your lips touch the feet of our dear Lord, fastened with nails, try to remember this little prayer. Jesus, I love you. I am sorry I ever offended you. Never allow me to sin again. Help me to love you always, and then do what you want with me. End of section 15